Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. We've been talking about uh, the book of Philippians in our series called Unshaken Surrender. We're, we're talking about perseverance, and the verse that we have today is in Philippians 2, if you want to turn there. It's the first section of Philippians 2, and it's one that might not initially seem to be too much about perseverance, but I think we could pull some things out of it that will really help us to endure and be strong in our faith. Um, so I want to want to read Philippians 2, and I want to just read the whole section first, and then we're going to go through and look at some specific things that... Um, I felt like God had for us today and how those will help us be strong together in Jesus. So, Philippians 2, starting in verse 1. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So, Lord, would you bless your word to enter our hearts today? Let it sink down deep and change us. Let the things that we need to hear in our hearts become part of us. As we take in the, the body and blood and communion, let those things be symbols of the transforming work as we become more like you, as we find you in your word and connect to the to who you are, to your mind, to your way of thinking, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So again, like I said, it's it's not immediately apparent how this is about perseverance, but we're going to get there. But a couple things I want to just highlight as we go. Let's just go through the verses and see what we can find in there. I One of my favorite things about this is that so much of it is unexpected. And if you've listened to me talk before, you know that one of my big things is, you know, I, I grew up in the church. I've been reading these verses my whole life. And so it's easy for me to just... Blow right past things. Like, oh yeah, I've read that before. I know what that means. Like, I understand each of these words. And, but I, I really just want us to slow down and see 
the just the the things that might be unexpected, the things that um, are saying something too powerful to just skim over quickly. Um, and I, I want to encourage us to read the Bible deeply like that. So, so starting in verse one here, um, and also I kind of just want to acknowledge like the personality of the Bible. Like this, like this book is inspired by God, but written by people, and it's really interesting. So, like this this beginning here in verse one, it sounds like the beginning of like a fundraising letter, right? Like this is this is Paul's Patreon plea, if you know what that is. Like you spend time online like he's like if you've had any encouragement from being in Christ if you've had any comfort from his love and any blessing of the Holy Spirit the what do you expect to come next is what send send money right (laughs) but that's not what Paul so Paul like turns it on his head like he is making a personal plea but it's like the least selfish and least self-interested plea that you could imagine he says Complete my joy by, not by sending me money, but by being of the same mind, having the same love, and, you know, being in full accord. So this is, it's unexpected, but he kind of, like, tricks you into it because this, this is everyone, right? Who, if you've had any encouragement from being in Christ, well, hopefully you've had at least a little bit, right? Like, there's no escaping this. It's, it's for everybody, and it's not a, it's not a, like, open your wallet. It's a, it's actually, honestly, it's something harder. <laughs> if it was just, oh, you know, give and then you're done, you know, you could just check it off the list. And that's one of the reasons I want us to read the Bible closely because we, we have this tendency, our, our human nature wants to just make things into a list of rules. We want to follow down the line and simplify it that way. But what Jesus is after is, is a lifestyle um, He's after everything. Look at verse 2. This is Paul. He's just stacking up the phrases, right? So be of the same mind, have the same love, be of full accord. He's he's saying it every way he could think of to make sure he covers it, you know? Whenever you see somebody, like, keep saying the same thing and keep reiterating it, you know that what they're getting at there is really important. And... I, I believe what he's after there and what he's describing is is a, a like a way of life more than anything else, right? And the reason why I say that is because of what he says about one mind, right? So so what does that mean? Because I think one mind is is really the key, that's our key phrase today. One mind. What does that mean for us? Be of one mind. It's right there in the Bible. Christians have to agree about everything. Done, right? <laughs> no, not at all. And the, but we need to kind of dive into the words to understand that, right? And it's, so, all right, I'm not an expert translator of Greek or Hebrew or any of the languages of the Bible, right? But I, I do want to pick up on things and highlight things that are like different than you might expect. So when we have this translated in English, one mind, right? You're like, okay, you think of your mind located somewhere inside your head, somehow like linking to other people's, and it's kind of weird and nebulous. But that word that is given to us as mind in English is actually, it's not a noun. So nouns are things, um, like things that you can touch or like connect with. It's actually a verb. And um, 
the significance of that is, is like a more literal way to say it. it might be have the same thinking as Christ. The, but that doesn't quite cover it either because it's not about a have the same set of thoughts that Christ has, right? Because those are nouns, you know, the thoughts. It's have the same way of thinking that Jesus has. And I, I want to make that clarification because that's where we get out of, we have to agree on every single point and how we can get to, how do we have the same lifestyle, the same approach to things as a body of believers? And is that, is that difference connecting with you guys? Is it making sense? It's not about but like having the specific set of the right thoughts in your head. It's about having the right way of approaching any situation that you would come into. The way of thinking, the whole lifestyle is what he's after here. That's why he says it so many different ways. One mind, one love. You know, those are, those are connected too. There's, there's an emotional and spiritual element here. There's an element of agreement in being in one accord, but the agreement is just more importantly in the way of approaching things, in like the action of it, rather than in the, you know, just the thoughts that are sitting in your head. And it's really important that we have that in the church. It's really important that we have room to disagree. Um, The way we disagree is arguably more of a testimony to the world than whether or not we always agree. Do you know that? Like, you might think that, you know, in order for us to have a unified church, everyone needs to agree on everything, but actually the most powerful testimony in this world that we live in of Facebook and YouTube comments with caps lock and all the things that there are in this world, the, the most powerful thing that we can offer in some ways is the ability to disagree with people in love and remain loving because that's the way of Jesus. You know, he, when he corrected people, it was always with the aim of restoring. And he's a little bit different because he was, you know, the Lord. He had a much more authority to just correct people than we do. But even so, he was always loving to people. Even when he said the hardest things imaginable, he, people were just drawn to him in a way that they couldn't quite explain or even, like, understand. They just kept coming to him. Now it's because of the, you know, this word, the mind that he had, the mind of Christ. It just doesn't even begin to cover it. It's like the whole way that he was, the way of his being drew people. And that's what Paul is getting at for us, too, that if we would all have that, even when we would disagree on the points, whether it's about doctrine or politics or any other thing that we might come across, if we could disagree in love and remain together and united despite that, that is a powerful view to the world. And, and that's probably why he says that would make his joy complete, right? This is the testimony that he worked to author in these churches that he, you know, he planted and helped birth. So, so what is, if we're all supposed to be in this same mind, this one mind, or again, no, just taking as a given now that that's not the best translation, but think of it as that whole way of thinking. If that's where we're supposed to be, what is it? What is the mind of Christ? Well, 
Paul is very helpful about these things. When he introduces concepts, he usually goes on to explain what they are immediately. Um, and so we can just pick it up in verse 3. Do and this is this is one of those verses, right? That you've probably if you've been in the church, you've heard it a million times, and the temptation is just to whoop, read it right through. But this is saying something um, pretty challenging. So, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That is a amazingly high bar. Uh, it's an easy sentence to read, like every one of those words like makes sense individually, but if you actually take that in, what does that say? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Just take that extremely literally. When recently have you considered somebody else to be more significant than you? And that doesn't just mean like acted like they might be more significant than you, but like actually held them in your heart. Like, hey, what you want and what you need is more important than what I want and what I need right now. Because that is literally what he's saying to do here. And that is, that's not just a verse that you can blow past. That verse wants to change your life if you'll let it. Like, when do we actually do this? And I, I hope that you know that challenges me as much as it's challenging any of you right now. I, I'm not, this is counter to everything that our flesh wants. You know, there's like a, a thing inside us, and it's only reinforced by the world that, hey, what I want is what matters, and I go for what I want and what I need. But Jesus is turning the whole thing on its head. This is the point where people are probably wishing that Paul has said, oh, just give money, because this is, this is way harder than just, I mean, it includes money, of course, right? Because if other people's interests are more important, then probably I'm going to need to spend my money on them. Um, but it's, it's far more than that. This is, a, this is a lifestyle that he's after. And, and it sounds hard. To me, <laughs> going even further, you know, in verse four, where he says, "Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others." That's that's real challenging. I don't even spend a lot of time thinking about what the interests of others are, but even thinking about it isn't enough because if you need to, if you want to know what someone else is interested in. You need to take an interest in them. You know, you, you have to find out from them what their interests are. You, it's, it's not enough to just, like, assume what their interests might be. You know, this is, I think, the mistake a lot of, like, white people that try to fix racism make sometimes. Like, well, I think I know what you want, so here it is. But, like, can we actually look and take the time to know somebody and find out what their interests are? And this, that happens in, in any area. You have to know what someone's interests are before you can look to them. And to do that, you have to have relationship. Like I see in how this like one mind, one accord thing is a little bit bigger than just like 
having the right set of thoughts. I don't want to move on from that too quickly because it is weighty, but I also don't want us to like feel hopeless in it. Like, well, okay, a lot of times it's easy to read things in the Bible. And like, well, I'm probably never going to be able to do that. So let's just move on to a passage that's easier, you know. Um, like, don't kill people. Okay, got that one. <laughs> All right. Um, but I, so I want to, I, I don't want to like diminish the weight of it because it is hard, but I want to move on to the encouragement, and this is where I want to give us an encouragement to persevere in it. So let's look at verse 5. Um, your, your Bible might read, I have the ESV here, and I think it's, it's probably the best here, but it could be different um, in yours, but I want to read what this says. In, in the ESV, this verse says, "...have this mind among yourselves, which is yours." In Christ Jesus. Your translation might say, which was also in Christ Jesus, but if we just, that just means we have to study a little bit more to find out that what the ESV says is right, right? We know that Jesus, when he left, sent the Holy Spirit, which is the same Spirit that was in him, to be with us, right? So since we're not just talking about his actual brain, his mind, we're talking about his way of thinking, if we have that same Spirit in us, then that mind, that way of thinking is ours in Christ. So what the ESV has it rendered here is totally true. I'm not, again, I'm not going to say that I know what the Greek actually says, but the promise here is true. And even if he's just pointing out that Christ had this mind, he's, he's meaning to say in the weight of like all of what his letters say that everything that is Christ is also, also ours. You know, that we've been given every heavenly blessing in Jesus, right? That's in another one of Paul's letters. So, the mind, the, the way of thinking, the way of being that Paul is describing here, he says, is already ours in Jesus Christ. And that's the good news of it. Jesus is the one who did this thing. And so the way to, for us to do it is not to like try harder or make it into a checklist of things that we need to do because that's what we love. The way is to draw near to Christ and receive his heart. We want to come close and spend time in his presence. Uh, we want to spend time in the body of believers because that's one way that we encounter the spirit of Jesus. And, and we want to remember that this thing, although it seems difficult, is our inheritance in Jesus. That's, that's what he's saying, that this unity of being, this way of thinking about each circumstance that um, approaches from unity and love rather than like division or um, a desire to be right at the expense of other people. He's saying that is how Christ was. This is ours in Christ. And to me, that that is one of the most important things in persevering through trouble. Um, I need to know that the work that God has called me to has already been done in Jesus. That for me, it just, it just takes the pressure off of it. Like the power to do this doesn't come from me, but it is available to me because of Jesus. And that's, that's foundational to everything about persevering, whether it's through sickness or 
um, through anything, any other trial, like the, the, the temptation to carry everything on our own and try to do all the work and work ourselves through things, that is crushing. That's not the way to persevere. The way forward is to remember that Jesus did this for us. And, and so, you know, not in a, like, name it and claim it way. It's like, you know, where you've heard people do that where I'm like, oh, I'm just too blessed to be stressed and all of this. Like, my problems aren't real. Like, no, they are real. But there is real power for going through them, and it doesn't come from you. That's the only way that you're going to make it through something bigger than yourself is with a power that's bigger than yourself that comes from elsewhere. So, in verse 5, he says, have this mind in you. This is yours in Christ. He's like, what I'm about to explain to you is your inheritance. Here's what you do. And all of us, if you're a logical type like me, like, okay, mind of Christ, here we go. Give me the bullet points. And what we got instead of bullet points, guys, is a poem. (laughs) That's what this next part of the scripture is. We don't maybe like it that much. We want it spelled out. How do I have the mind of Christ? Give me the rules to follow. Like, Nope, it's a poem. <laughs> I like poems too, as you, many of you know. Um, but it, it's harder. This is a, it's a heart thing. It's a, it's a relationship thing. Jesus is wanting a whole life, not just a list of rules. And what he, this next section, your, your Bible might even have it like set off in the text because it is, it's a, it's a poem. This is a thing that people said to remember, um, to remember who Jesus was a picture of his life. And I want to, uh, I want to just read it, but before I do, I want to, I want to just note the irony, right? That this is, <laughs> this poem is actually a, like a passage of scripture that's been argued about a ton by Christians, which is <laughs> so frustrating because it totally misses the point, right? Um, I won't, I'm not going to actually dive into it here, although like the major theological issue at hand here is, is uh, called kenosis, if you've heard that term before, because it says that Jesus emptied himself. And, and theologians have been just books and books and no end of writing on what that means and how that worked. And did he lose all of his divine attributes or just some? Or was he actually a man or fully? You know? And it's become something that people argue about. But... I, I, it's hard. I don't want to, I never want to devalue having good doctrine. We want to know what the truth about Jesus is. But I've just seen, like, fighting about what the Bible says tear churches apart, and I know that that's not what the Bible is supposed to be used for. I know that if you just read, like, you could dive in and try to, like, get in the minutia, but the plain and simple of what this passage is saying is unity above other things. It's saying that you might not agree on what this means, but can you approach this in a way that is a way of unity and a way of peace rather than a way of division? And um, it's a shame that this like very passage has been used exactly the opposite. And it's also a shame that people are arguing about a poem. You know, poets use imagery that isn't meant to be like literal reality. So like we... We're not, we don't really know if Paul was actually trying to make a theological statement here. Well, I'm going to argue that he was making one, but 
you know, these guys that had these great visions of God, like Paul, they were just like reaching for any word they could find that like sort of did it. You know, the, the transition from Godhead to manhood is something indescribable. You can't put a word on it. The, the best he could come up with is it was like it's being like emptied out of everything. You know, that's the best word he could find, but that doesn't begin to fully describe it. You know, like, it's kind of like in uh, an <laughs> example I talk about a lot is in Revelation where John, you know, saw a vision of heaven and he's like, well, it was kind of like a sea made out of glass and there was a rainbow made of emeralds. And like, okay, buddy. <laughs> you know, like this is a man who saw something that blew his mind and it, like he was looking for words and those were the best ones he could find. You know, but that wasn't actually what it is. And I think that the mystery of Jesus' incarnation is something similar. Like we can look for words, we can try to find it, but this is, it's meant to be a mystery. And a mystery takes faith. And a mystery takes a relationship of trust with someone to believe that what they say is true, even if you don't all the way understand it. I just want to appreciate together the beauty of the mind of Christ. So I'm just going to read this again. This is about Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let that heart be in us. So Paul's point in including this is not what the technical mechanism of kenosis is. His point is this invincible example. Nobody had a better right to be selfish. In fact, Jesus is the only person that had the right to consider his interests above the interests of others literally the only one, and he still didn't do it. So the point he's making is if Jesus, who was God, decided to let go of like clinging to his equality with God while he was here and just be with us, if he did that, there is absolutely none of us that can ever claim to be above that. It's the invincible example. You, no one has a better claim than Jesus, and he laid it down, and that's the example that we're meant to follow. So how does this relate to perseverance? What does this mean for you in your trials, in your hard times, in your sickness, in your fighting with someone that you love, or being mistreated by someone at work? What does this mean for you? Well, First of all, I just want to point out that insisting on being right all the time is very tiring. It's not 
the way to perseverance. Fighting for your own interests will wear you out. Because that, that isn't what we were made to do. Um, if you look at the life of Jesus, you'll notice that he did not waste one second on his own defense. Even when he was being tried and about to be put to death, he, he didn't argue. He was just like, they were like, you know, are you the Christ? He's like, yep. <laughs> that was it. He, there was no wasted energy on defending himself. He left that all to the Lord. And that's part of why, you know, he had the energy that he needed to accomplish his task. You won't find perseverance fighting for your own rights. Unfortunately. I mean, you might, you know, like, you might find strength in it for a time, like some sort of strength, but it's not the kind that will last. It's not the kind that will keep you going. You know, um, it's kind of become a meme now. The If you're online, you've probably seen it, the uh, Michael Jordan crying at his Hall of Fame induction ceremony, you know? Like, this is a guy that used every tiny slight against himself as motivation. He just fought and fought and fought, and it got him to the pinnacle of basketball. But what a low mountain to reach the peak of, right? And when he got there to the top, he found himself alone up there in a lot of ways. And that's, like, those, those tears are, are, like, heartbreaking to me. Like, people laugh at the, the crying Jordan face meme. Look, just look it up on the internet if you haven't seen it. It's all over the place. But, like, that's, that's an example. That's what happens to you if you just fight for your own interests. That's the, the picture of where you end up. That's not how you, like, live a life of victory. And I hope, you know, I hope that he, like, finds Jesus, and I don't know him, anything about him personally, but that's just like a, as an image, it just stands out to me like that, that all you'll get if you fight for yourself is tired in the end. The simple way to say that is that pride makes it harder to persevere through things. The more of it you have, the more pride you have, the harder it will be for you to make it through your stuff. Because pride is all about lifting yourself up, and it's very, you're very heavy. It, it's, it's hard. <laughs> lifting, lifting yourself up is, is terribly hard. How, I mean, it doesn't even make sense, honestly. Like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps is a, has become an idiom because it literally is impossible. Like, you can't lift yourself by pulling on yourself. You just tire yourself out. And... And I, I just, I, just from my own experience with pride, I just want to tell you that the, the more you try to set yourself up, the, like, the more and more energy that that takes because you have to avoid falling down. You have to avoid looking bad at all costs. And that is a, that's a very heavy thing to take. The other, just the other side of pride is just anxiety because you're just always worried about the fall because you know that what is holding you up is, is flimsy, just your own strength. And so, <laughs> so it, it's paradoxical, but the, the way that Jesus persevered, because he, he went through more than, you know, any of us will likely have to bear. Um, 
And a lot of it we don't even know, like the weight of sin that he carried and the weight of just caring so much about people that just wouldn't get it. Um, like the, the mental and emotional strain that was on him. And just in addition to all the physical things we know of with crucifixion, the way that Jesus persevered through that, the example that Paul's giving us is that Jesus persevered by laying himself down. That was, that was his way. He laid all the pride down. And that was why, you know, as it says in Hebrews, that he was able to, you know, look ahead. That when he was, you know, faced with the cross, he was able to scorn the shame of it. You know, what that means is that he had no pride. He was, there was no lifting of him. There was no place to fall from. He hadn't lifted himself up. So the shame that was in that moment was nothing to him because of the joy that was set before him. And what he was able to do was be confident that as he laid himself down, his father would lift him up. And that's the only way that he made it through. You know, we don't know how much of his divine strength he retained or how much was emptied, but we know that he totally relied on the father to lift him up. And because of that, he was able to lay everything down for us. And that challenge of, of laying our lives down, what does it literally mean to, like, die in your workplace and lay yourself all the way down? What does it mean not to fight for your rights and to look for the interests of others? What does that mean in your family? How can you love your spouse that way or your kid? The, the example is Jesus, and that's, that's hard. But the, we have to remember that this is ours in him. Because he did it, we have it. We can do it. And, and that's, who, that's who Jesus is for us. And man, if you don't know Jesus today, you need access to that power in your life to persevere. If you want that, you just have to tell Jesus that you've come to the end of all the things that you have in your heart, that you know that you've messed up your life, and that you want him to be the Lord. You want his power to be the one. You want to lay your own life down and let someone else lift you up. And, and Jesus will do that for you. That's what it means to become a follower and a child of his. So those things that I said, just make those into a prayer from your own heart. And be like, I want you, Jesus. And he will welcome you into his family. I just encourage you to do that. And find someone else to pray with you if you do. Hmm. Yeah. I want to move into a time of um, ministry together. I want to, I want to offer prayer, and I don't know exactly how to do that in a socially distanced way. I know that if you're watching online, you can send a message to us at the church Facebook page, a private message, or email us office at vineyardcleveland.org um, if, with your prayer requests, and we get those every week, and we pray for you as a staff. If you're here, um, there are prayer cards on the side next to you. And if you want us to pray for you through the week, please do fill one of those out with your prayer requests. We, we meet as a staff and we pray for you guys. But if you're wanting something more today, I just, 
man, I encourage you to, to pray a socially distanced prayer with someone. <laughs> or if you came with someone in your family, have them pray for you. Their prayers are just as good. Sometimes it feels like you want to pray with someone else, but the people you came with will work. God's spirit is the one that has the power. It's not anything about them, okay? But I specifically felt like a word for us is that some of us like really struggle with lifting ourselves up um, in ways that we know, um, like whether it's through our words or through our actions, just that we, we feel that pride in ourselves. I know I do. And I want to just pray a blessing of, of release of that. And one way to release it is just to say like the truth, because you know when you hear somebody talk, when you hear someone lift themselves up and talk about how great they are, you know when you hear that, that that doesn't hold any weight. Why? Because they're saying it about themselves, right? Saying, you could say that you're, you yourself are great all day. It doesn't matter until someone else says it about you, right? We know that that's the, and someone that's not on your payroll, by the way. And so, like, we know that to be true. So let's just, let's live like that's true. And I just pray a, a release. Jesus, we break the spirit of pride off of our hearts. We, like, snap that and just lay the parts of it before you. Lay ourselves down as the best that we know how. Would you release us from the spirit of pride? Help us to lay ourselves down and have the faith in you that knows that you're going to lift us up. Only with that faith, that's, that's the only way we can make it through the hard things that are coming to us. We need that, Lord. So if that's you, just do business with the Lord right now. I just invite the Holy Spirit to fill you in that place where pride was that, that you're breaking off and giving to Jesus. Um, let the Holy Spirit do that work now. You might even be like feeling his presence um, like on your hands or resting on your forehead. Just a, It's nothing magic, just a symbol that he's with you. So just rest rest in the Holy Spirit right now. Something that we've been um, talking through in this series too is that um, perseverance takes partnership. You know, we're not meant to do this thing alone and here we are in the body of Christ. So if you are struggling with a trial right now that you don't really see the end of, um, find somebody to partner with you.